0: What's up folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host Matthew Anderson. College football playoff is Friday. So, y'all know I have plenty to talk about, but without further ado, welcome to my Sports House. Cheers, My it's my house. My <laughs> house. Y'all, this is like Super Bowl week for me. Like the NFL football, NFL is cool and all, but college football is where it lives at. It's where it matters the most. As the SEC commercials say, it just means more. So y'all know I'm super stoked for this week. We're gonna go ahead and start off New Year's Day, which will be Friday. You got the college football final four. You have Alabama versus Notre Dame, who will play at four o'clock on Friday on ESPN. To me, I was was thinking about this game, and my key point here is that it's a pride game for Notre Dame. Notre Dame, every single time they get to the final, whether it's the final four of the playoff, or even back before, whenever they, I remember they played AJ when AJ McCameron was quarterback at Alabama, and they had that team, they just with Monte Tile, they just got blown out. So it seems like every time where the big stage is on the bit, when they're on the big stage, all eyes on them, they lose. So I think it's just a pride game for the fighting Irish faithful, just to show they can actually compete with the big dogs and not just win a lot of games in the regular season. And just for Brian Kelly, too. So hopefully he has his team ready for the matchup. I think there's one, if there's one thing Notre Dame can do, I guess I'm about less a couple things is one, run the ball, kind of control the clock on offense. Uh, run the ball like they kind of did against Clemson in in the first matchup when they beat them. Have Ian Book play. Obviously, he needs to play well, but don't lose the game either. You can't have too many interceptions. Hit the tight ends when they're open. They have a lot of really big and fast tight ends that can make plays. So if you spread that ball around and just keep the Alabama offense off the field, I think that's going to be their best way, road to success if they're able to accomplish that. For Alabama, I feel like the key is no, no, no. Before I can move past that, I was listening to a podcast with Jordan Palmer and Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen plays for Washington. Obviously, he's hurt right now. But anyway, he talked a lot about with Aaron Rodgers and, and other guys like Russell Wilson. What they do is sometimes as a quarterback, obviously, you want to make the big plays, but don't lose the game. Play within the game plan and give your team the best chance to win. Uh, you even because he was saying even Russell Wilson don't don't play particularly well. If they do those things, they get their team a shot, and that's what those guys do really well—the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So that's what you need out of Ian Book. Just just play within the game plan. Kelly's gonna have a great game plan for him, and just and at least keep it close. But you know, obviously they're they're trying to get the win here for Alabama. I think the key is just let your offense do what it does, as long as Najee Harris. Uh, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, as long as the moment doesn't get too big for them, which I don't think it will because the, all their games are big games, especially playing the SEC, especially this season specifically because it's been all-SEC schedule. As long as they just do what they do, normally do, I feel like they shouldn't have too many problems. I don't see that Notre Dame defense getting that many stops. Nobody's really been able to stop this offense all year. It's just uh, such an explosive offense. My question is going to be, though, and I have guess I've been saying this the past couple episodes, Does the Heisman Trophy stay a quarterback award, or do they give it to Devontae Smith? It seems like everybody has kind of went to Devontae, but I guess all that matters is the voters. So we'll see what happens with that. Obviously looking forward to that game, but I'm really looking forward to the 8 o'clock game, Clemson versus Ohio State. That game will be on ESPN. Just to let you know, the Alabama-Notre Dame game is technically the Rose Bowl, but it will be in Dallas at the Cowboy Stadium. Meanwhile, the Clemson-Ohio State game will be in the New Orleans State Stadium in Louisiana the Sugar Bowl but anyway I think the keys for Clemson is play great coverage you have to have great coverage on the in the defensive backfield force Justin to hold the ball that's kind of become the scouting report on him. stumps he holds the ball after his first read isn't open as compared to just kind of like letting it rip and if you play but the thing about that for Clemson is even if you have great coverage in the backfield you got to have somebody almost spying Justin because if if all of your defenders are turned around running with the receivers Justin has four three speed. He's an explosive runner. He can make it happen on the ground just as well. Um, the one thing that I think is going to be that might hurt. Well, that will for sure at least hurt Clemson at least a little bit is Xavier Thomas is doubtful. Xavier Thomas, the Clemson defensive end, whenever he came out of high school, he was the number one recruit in the country. He went to Wilson Hall in uh, well, I know it's Wilson in Florence. Then he went to IMG Academy. Then he came to Clemson. But was listing him as doubtful for this game. I don't know exactly why that is. I've, one of my guys told me that he thinks that it's for COVID, but we're not 100% sure. Uh, maybe he has some more complications because he did have COVID earlier in the year. But, yeah, so Justin Fields does have that 4-3 speed, so that is definitely something to keep an eye out for. I thought it was interesting for that. For the first time, in, I think, in Justin's career, people are seriously doubting him. People are moving him down on their draft boards and uh, – a lot of other things that it's just kind of like you haven't really heard too much from Justin, usually him or Trevor kind of like that upper echelon quarterback. And I still think they are. I don't think although some people are saying maybe he moves down the draft boards, I I don't see it happening. He led Ohio State to an undefeated year. And I think some of the things that he possessed, his intangibles are on the field, but also off the field. He's a great leader. So some of his teammates say stuff like, you'll run through a wall before Justin or like if, if that's the guy. Well, for Justin, if uh, that's the guy you want in your foxhole whenever it's like a war or something like that. So, a lot of good things that lead into being that CEO quarterback of the NFL franchise. I think he possesses all of them. I think he gets to show the world here. And with the doubting, I think he would definitely be up for the challenge. So, that is something to look forward to. Also, for that Ohio State running game, Trey Sermon, does he come to play? Does Master T come to play? Does that Clemson offense, I mean, does that Clemson defensive line and linebacker court get bullied by that Ohio State offensive line? I don't know because, like I said before, Master T was the starter all year. I think Trey Sermon only had 300 yards going to that Big Ten championship game, but then he exploded after that. So, do the coaches ride with the hot hand? Do they go back? Do they have it more of a one two punch? All that we will see in this game at eight o'clock on ESPN. I can't wait. I pray that Kirk Herbstreit is on the call now. I think another big matchup to watch for in this game will be Chris Olave matched up with Darion Kendrick. Darion Kendrick, for you guys that don't know, also known as DK, is from South Point High School right here in South Carolina. And we saw how big of a deal Chris Olave was when he did not play last, in the not last week, but in the Big Ten Championship game. Garrett Wilson. Is a great receiver, but Chris Olave makes him even better because Chris Olave is like that foundational outside piece. And then Garrett Wilson kind of gets to skit, scat, run the, the 10 and outs, run whatever other route and get open sometimes the post cross the middle of the field. But that's because you have to put so much attention to Chris Olave. It seems like him and Justin just have a lot of camaraderie. So that's something to check out. Now, for, as far as that Clemson offense, I think Dabo and Tony Elliott, who's the Clemson offensive coordinator, are just telling them that, We'll just tell their guys, play their game. You got Cornell Powell, who really, really exploded in a Notre Dame game. He's a fifth-year senior, I want to say. You got Amari Rogers, one of the better receiver, slot receivers in the country. I think he'll go high in the draft. You got Travis Etienne, obviously, and then you got Trevor Lawrence. I think Travis cannot have a game like his first game against Notre Dame. He has to play well in this game. But one thing, just know, before this game starts, Ohio State struggles in the secondary. So if we do anything on the secondary, it's extra. Like we've known all year, they've struggled on it, we've lost too many guys to the draft. And, the, and you even see Chase Young, who was a defensive end, who applied a lot of pressure last year. He's gone, and that's kind of left an impact on the Ohio State defensive line. But the, the remainder guys of the Ohio State defensive line have got to get pressure on uh trevor lawrence if they get pressure they give them they give them a chance and obviously when you get pressure your defensive backs get more confident because they know they, they only have to hold their receiver for four or five six four or five six seconds and then the um, defensive ends or defensive tackles are on the quarterback so that is something to look forward to i'm picking alabama and i'm going with ohio state and the buckeyes It's the year the black quarterback i gotta see justin fields rise to the challenge and beat uh trevor lawrence those two have been always been one and two trevor and justin it's like okay he's the best in the country he's the second best The two different types of quarterbacks so uh they're more of the same a little bit because Trev- trevor showed in this game last year that he can't run the ball really well but yeah, i'm rolling with justin and we're gonna see what happens in that game so more from that game after in next week's podcast now we're gonna go here really quickly to the liberty coastal game that took place saturday I told you guys, I told okay, first of all, the final score was 37-34. Liberty gets the win. I told you guys that Malik Willis was the truth. He's a big time ball player. For a little backstory on him, he started off at Auburn. He didn't win the starting job. I think when, I want to say it might have been before Bo Nick's came, came, right before then. And so he went to Liberty. would joined Hugh Freeze and staff, and it was a good move for him. You always gotta do what's best for you in college football sports in general. But in this game, he went 19 for 29 with 220 yards in the air. 21 carries 137 yards and four touchdowns on the ground had a little cam newton type performance shout out to auburn for this one he he ran he runs the ball with quickness and determination and he also can throw the ball really well i had been watching him practice during like the when COVID was really kind of was going in march and april and stuff because quincy avery had them on his instagram stories and on his instagram page a lot of the guys i think the starting quarterback at um What's school is that? TCU was out there. You had Justin, you had Malik, you had all those guys. So it came as no surprise to me. And all the quarterbacks coaches kind of rave over him. Just Auburn wasn't necessarily the best fit for him. I would say that Coastal got lucky in this game today, even went to overtime simply because the Liberty running back decided to fumble the ball going into the end. Well, he didn't really fumble it. He more so placed the ball on the ground trying to not score a touchdown. You got to go back and watch the end of if you're not know, understanding what I'm saying because you kind of had to watch the game. But they basically, he was trying not to score so they could just kick the field goal and win. He tried to put the ball down the one-yard line. The ball got knocked out of his hand. The Coastal end up being able to take the game into overtime. But in overtime, what ends up happening was the – Liberty, one of their defensive linemen, somebody on the field goal block team blocked the field goal, which would have took it to second overtime. And so Liberty did, in fact, pull out the win. Now, with that being said, both teams did end up ending the year with one loss, but great seasons for both teams. Pretty sure Malik Willis will be back next year. So early look out for the Dave O'Brien Award winner. Now, also, you have the Coastal quarterback, who is a redshirt freshman. And so as long as the head coach is able to stay, I feel like Coastal might be good for some years to come. I mean, that coach, they might get him one more year. After then, he will end up going to a bigger school, obviously, because he's done a great job building a program. And everybody wants to hire a guy that can build a program up. Those are guys that are extremely valuable, it's like a winning lottery ticket or something. But anyway, also, you'll, have, you'll see that Coastal Carolina had a tight end, Isaiah Likely, Junior, 6'4", 245, had five catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. He's a ball player. Uh, he really left his impact on this game. I expect him to be a, a – I don't know about it because he's at Coastal, but he will be one of the better tight ends in the country. He seemed very athletic, and especially because of the offense they run at Coastal. They run the ball on you so much. Whenever he catches the pass, he's wide open. But he just seems like a good athlete. Big guy, 6'5", 6'4", 245, that can move. That's always an asset to your team. So, we're going to move on here to Miami, down in Miami, Coral Gables, where Derek King has announced that he will return next year. He'll opt back in and play another year with the Hurricanes. I guess him and Manny Diaz decided that was the best move for him. The, I think it's it's not a bad move for him, but just to understand, you got to beat Clemson. Like there's, Besides North Carolina, they had a good year, but you just got to beat Clemson. I don't know if they'll be able to get that job done, but He's, but obviously this is a loaded quarterback draft, so that makes sense too, but just come, basically come back to school and beat Clemson. Can you make it happen or can you not? Derek King did transfer, in fact, from Houston. And I went and did a little research on Houston, the University of Houston, and man, Houston has had some football greats from the likes of Case Keenum, Ed Oliver, Kyle Allen, Andre Ware, who's a colored commentary analyst, but he was the first black quarterback to win the Heisman coming out of Houston, so... A lot of great players have came out of that um the school down there in Texas. We're gonna move on to the NFL where Russell Wilson. I don't know if y'all saw it on his Instagram post, but he was wearing the kobe the Kobe sneakers that just came out, the neon ones. For like the pregame, the pregame walking into the stadium. And so when I saw those, I was thinking there is no way in the world that, that he's about to lose this game. He's not losing this game when he when all the attention is on him because of the outfit. I think he had the black Mamba jersey on as well. And it was a cool look. You know, all the guys always dress up before the game and so they can walk in, the pictures go on social media, gets the buzz going. That was actually kind of free advertising for Nike. Well, not free because he is a Nike athlete, but you get what I'm saying. Anyway, Seahawks beat the Rams 20 to nine. It's always a struggle and it's always a big win for your team when you can beat the Rams simply because you're, you're playing against Aaron Donald. So the quarterback already always has to keep an eye on where he is and it doesn't help that Aaron Donald is right up the middle on that defensive line. We're going to move to the Washington football team where Dwayne Haskins was released Monday today. I don't know when you're listening to this, but Monday morning after the loss to the Panthers, Urban Meyer has said countless times, being that Urban Meyer was his head coach at Ohio State, that although Dwayne had an absolutely great year at Ohio State, it was just one year of him being the starting quarterback. The other years he'd been back up to the likes of, What's our guy's name? JT Barrett. Yeah. JT Barrett. There you go. And so then, then there's a direct correlation between the amount of snaps you play in college as a starting quarterback and your early success in the NFL. In most cases, obviously there are outliers, but in this case it's kind of been proven to be true. So I think with that being said, as with the combination of that, him not necessarily seem like fitting very well with the Washington football team culture Then the little strip club incident where he's in the strip club with no mask and stuff like that. I figured after I watched the end of that game, I was like, they're probably going to go ahead and release him. So that's what they did. I think he'll just go sit behind somebody and for the next two years, maybe a year. And guys get injured so much in the NFL, you never really know. But I think what would be best for him is to go sit behind a quarterback, kind of like what Jameis Winston is doing right now, and then get another opportunity. I think he'll knock it out the park. One thing I was thinking about was that for that Washington football team, though, my goodness, look at their quarterback room, what they've went through this year. So, yeah, Kyle Allen started and he has the leg injury. So he's out for the year. Alex Smith has a calf injury. So he's gone. He, didn't, he wasn't playing. I think he he might have been on IR. I'm not 100 percent sure. Dwayne Haskins, you pull him in the third quarter and so and then you release him. So now they're at Taylor Heineke who's a quarterback coming out of old dominion i think this is like his third or fourth year in the league but that's four quarterbacks and it's not like those are those are all okay one of those guys stayed a backup all these guys have taken tremendous snaps as a quarterback for that washington football team you do not plan for that another thing i've heard from a lot of different quarterbacks is and why it's important to have diversity on your and your offensive media, team meetings whatever however you want to say that, As far as from the coaching perspective is A big thing that you hear a lot with Dwayne Haskins, is he's not in the building enough. He leaves early. And so Quincy Avery countered that by saying he's getting the work in, but he's just not in a room with anybody that looks like him. So his terminology might be a little bit different. How he does things might be a little bit different. Because if you have a white offensive coordinator, white quarterbacks coach, and then the whole the rest of that quarterback room is white, it might not be the same as maybe you have some diversity, maybe a black quarterback's coach, maybe a black offensive coordinator, something like that. So that's another reason to have diversity in uh, the different position meeting rooms, whether it be offensive coordinator, head coach, or a uh, quarterback's coach. So, because he was saying that, because Quincy was saying that Dwayne's still getting the work. He just may not get it with their team on their staff in their building. And as long as he's getting the work in, it should be fine regardless. But I just think Dwayne's just going to have to go sit behind somebody, like I said before, and he'll be fine. He'll be good to go. We're gonna keep going in the NFL, where the Steelers were down 21-7 at the end of the first quarter, scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to get the win twenty-eight-24. Almost had to, if they would have lost again, I would have had to call Jalen to get back on the pot to get Jalen back on the podcast, figure out what's going on with his Pittsburgh Steelers. But they were able to pull off the win. And last but not least, you guys, I know this is primarily a football podcast, but the Mavericks, how about the Mavericks beating the Clippers? The final score is 124 to 73. So the 51 point win on Sunday. But I looked at the box score, y'all, the score was 77 to 27 at the half. That's like when Carolina plays I don't know, give me a team in the SEC like Texas ain't no, I don't think Texas a- is a good example. That's like when Carolina plays Western Carolina in basketball, women's basketball. You do not expect to see that though in the NBA. Like what is going on? I know, I know Kawhi Leonard did have a uh, had to get stitches or something because I saw his mouth was bloody or something like that. But goodness gracious, 77, 27. Oh, man. Some cuts might have to get made to that roster. That, that's that is absolutely unacceptable. The 51 point win is crazy. But the up 50 points a half, 27, that's usually like a middle school basketball game. Sometimes when a good team plays a bad team, like a 50 point differential. But y'all, that is all I have for you for this week on Matt Sports House. I appreciate you listening. Make sure you rate. Uh, follow the Instagram account, Matt Sports House. Two S's right there, the S at the end of Matt's, and then that's to begin Sports House. Look forward to the uh, next week's episodes, and we will sum up what happened in the playoff. Thanks for listening. Bro and narrow, slimmer and slimmer. Pray to God that I forget. Try my bitch not remember. It's a cold, cold world, and I was born in December.